Hello and welcome to episode 29 of the Perth to Paisley podcast, a podcast dedicated to a side unable to capitalise on Dundee and Dunfermline's disappointing draws at the weekend. That team in question is of course Heart of Midlothian. I am one of your co-hosts Adam Kennedy and joining me as always to discuss everything surrounding the Jambos is Mr Daniel McIver. Daniel, how are we after the weekend's latest events? Well, generally pretty rubbish. However, because of certain news that we'll get into, I don't give a fuck about the race result anymore. We're going to win the Champions League, Adam. Well, that, that blind optimism is exactly the reason why I chose you to <laughs> co-host this podcast, so that's fantastic. Um, listen, I think I'll feel a lot better once I've given my thoughts regarding Saturday's match uh, at Tynecastle, where Daniel briefly touched on that Hearts were, of course, defeated by Wraith Rovers. But first of all, though, just wanted to let the listeners know about the Talk of the Tune project in association with Big Hearts. So, Daniel and I, along with a plethora of other Hearts podcasters, uh, have been invited to take part in this initiative which aims to offer supporters a chance at some respite from the struggles regarding the COVID pandemic. And it's basically an opportunity just to chat with some other jambos as though they were at Tyne Castle or a pub pre-match. Um, the 90-minute Zoom sessions are free to attend and open to Hearts fans who might find themselves socially isolated and in need of that little bit of company with, obviously, the lockdown restrictions in place. And registration is available from Tuesday the 26th of January, obviously the day of this episode's release, um, at 7pm prior to the Wraith match um, at Starks Park. So for more info, make sure that you visit bighearts.org.uk. So, before discussing the match on Saturday, we'll try and begin on a positive note. An area of concern that I voiced last week was that I had a doubt that Stephen Kingsley was going to extend his mm-hmm. stay at Heart of Midlothian. However, in the days that followed our episode going live, the left-back has signed on until the summer of 2022 after penning a new 18-month deal. Daniel, how delighted were you to hear this news? It's just fantastic like in general terms it's always good to get players who have done reasonably well locked out the contracts especially when that contract is ending in the current season however when your player of the year in my opinion at least gets locked down for a further season and a half um it's it's just fantastic news i know as you mentioned we'll get to it he alongside many others did not have a great game on saturday but it was kind of the first time that i went yeah, he had a bad game. Every other game, he's been either the best or second best player on the pitch. He's added so much to us. I said it on Twitter, and he's the best left back since Takis. Obviously, there is the Lee Wallace conversation, which I do agree, but I still think Kingsley is better than Wallace in that season. Just now, I know obviously it's different. It's apples and oranges kind of thing. Like You don't really know, because you're never going to be able to compare. But that is the top three, and I think someone who has come in uh, to our squad who, when we lost Hickey, I think a lot of people were worried because Hickey was the first in a very long time to be able to nail that position, probably since Adam Eckersley when we were last in the Championship was the last time we had a solid left-back uh, to kind of rely on. Kingsley's come in, he's offered more than just defensive, of course getting plenty of goals and assists. Oftentimes in our defeats uh, against Dunfermline and Dundee, he was kind of the only positive. Dunfermline, he got the goal back. Dundee, he should have got a goal back when he missed a sitter, but was kind of being one of the few people to con- like continuously get us forward and get us up the pitch. An absolutely essential signing, and when you pair that with the deal that Michael Smith has got, it's one of the few positions that you go, we don't need to strengthen in that area, the only thing we need is backup, and that is so, so relieving. Absolutely, I, I couldn't agree more. I, I, I too believe that he's um, our player of the year so far, without a shadow of a doubt for me. Um, last week, I was obviously adamant that he'd be off to, to Parkhead in the summer rebuild that I think will no doubt take place at Celtic, who, of course, he scored in the, the COVID Cup final against. So at least the news kind of delays that um, potential heartbreak, if you like, for a wee while. Um He's spoken of enjoying his time here a lot, so I'm glad that that can go on for a little longer at least, and I totally agree. I think it's imperative that we'll touch on the full-backs later on, but 
when you've got when you're comfortable with obviously both options that we've got either side i think i think centrally we still need to improve but it's still a big boost given some of the dross like you say that we've had since adam eckersley left the club so very pleasing um however we are gonna talk about his and the team's dire display at the weekend um Brian McLaughlin had asked Robbie Nielsen about the potential Wraith Rovers team, given that they were in isolation following the COVID outbreak that happened at, at Starks Park. Um, Robbie was quoted as saying to expect the unexpected. However, regardless of the team that Wraith put out, which was a pretty strong one, did you think that we'd encounter any difficulties at Tynecastle? We'd obviously mentioned a couple decent players in their ranks. Um but any sort of problems that you had heading into this one? No, um, I was speaking to my dad the night before and his main concern was that we're probably not going to keep a clean sheet, which is a bit annoying. Um, I think that was kind of the main worry because, as you say, our Tyne Castle form has been the kind of main positive of this season. We hadn't dropped points before the weekend and every single team that came we'd kind of blown past. we beat. Queen and South 6-1, Dundee 6-2, Air 5-3. I know that game had quite a few bad moments. However, we just blitzed them for 20 minutes again. Uh, we've beaten Alloa at home very comfortably 3-0. So I think a lot of people went into that game going, right, this is the easy one. The game away might be a wee bit tougher. However, we'll just kind of get this sorted and move on. And I actually think that was the issue because I think the players had that attitude as well. Sorry, what was that made? It's a mentality thing for you. Yeah, yeah. I I think, I think that's been a common theme, sort of, in the defeats that we've had so far this season, and that we're essentially I I don't know where they get the arrogance from because ultimately, I think it comes from the fan base. Do you? What? Mm-hmm. But but even even as a as a player, it must there must be some sort of burden on you with, you know, the fact that we're seemingly overwhelming favourites for the league but I just don't get it in terms of I mean we we conceded the second most goals in the Premiership last season and of course ended up where we ended up so I, I don't get it I just it's a tricky one listen we've got plenty to discuss but the, the team that started the match obviously Craig Gordon in goal the back four was Michael Smith, Craig Halkett Christoph Berra and Stephen Kingsley uh, midfield two in front of that was Andy Halliday and Andy Irving with Gary Mackay-Steven and Elliot Freer either side of Stephen Naismith in behind Liam Boyce that team on paper should be good enough to beat Wraith Rovers at home surely apart from two positions that's the strongest team we can possibly field the two positions being a winger you're going to say and centre half with Bear. however we didn't really have anybody else's get, but you know what I mean. Like, yeah, you would you would go every other position apart from centre half and left winger is first choice. Yeah, I, I I would agree. Does that not then make it that bit more frustrating? Ab- absolutely, and I think it shows that there is still a mentality within some of these players that is just not good enough. As I said, and again, it's we'll get more into it. So I don't want to really elaborate just now but it wasn't so much tactically that was wrong it was more the attitude that was wrong which led to the result I think it's partly our attitude and mentality and also Robbie can't possibly you know be held accountable for individual errors I mean you're the defensive minded half of this duo let's talk about the first goal can you please explain to me just it's an absolute disgrace because let's be frank you don't need to have played center half before to know that it's a disgrace from our perspective daniel armstrong receives it once more after a short corner sends in a ball which bounces off liam boyce and christoph Berra. lovely little game of pinball um before obviously big ugu finishes it off with i will be honest a smart back heel to deceive craig gordon but we're behind after less than five minutes Surely somebody's got to put a foot through that and just get it to buggery. No? No. 
I actually disagree. I think this is the one goal that I totally am... I'm not fine with in terms of I would rather didn't score it, but I understand this one. Um, the short corner should be shut down faster. Uh, I'll say that. We didn't really have a man in it, but it's one of those that just it pinballs in the box. It could go anywhere. Every single player, as you mentioned, Boyce, Halkett and Berra are all trying to put their foot through it, but because of the way that it works in that penalty area... It's hard to get a proper connection on it when everybody's rushing to the same point. And then, I just think it's an incredible finish. I think the where we thought we'd be able to do that is fantastic. I don't actually have an issue. Of all things that happened, I don't have an issue with that goal because that can happen to anybody. You saw it at the weekend with Bayern Munich. Um, Bayern Munich one four one, but the one goal they conceded was basically a carbon copy of that. And they've got... For example, David Alaba, one of the best centre-halves in the world. Alfonso Davis, arguably the best left-back in the world. Boateng, who obviously is getting on a wee bit now, but one of the best defenders in the world. And Leon Goretzka, who was arguably their player of the year, apart from Lewandowski, all failed to do the exact same thing that our players failed to do. And that's the one goal. If I had to give anything a pass, which I don't want to do, but I'd go, okay, I can at least understand that goal. So for you, what's got to happen more defensively? Just prevent the cross at all costs, as opposed yeah, to kind of shut down the shut down the short corner, and if it just don't let it get to the point where it's on the ground because it was in the air for a period of time. Just try and get your head on it. But I, but as I say, I do understand how when it gets on the ground and ever, it's hard to be able to say, for example, Boyce to go Boyce's because if he fluffs it then people would be going, why didn't Berra, why didn't Halkett shut it down? It's understandable that everybody just surrounds it and tries to clear it. But as a result, because everybody's trying to do that, you can't get a clean connection. Interesting. Well, I, I, I actually thought that that would be the goal that would irritate you the most. So that's... Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> one of the other goals irritates well, me obviously, the, the most. Obviously, there's only a, a, one of the other two that comes from open play, so that's given that away. <laughs> but, yeah. but never mind. Um... Listen, I, I don't get why we're so, why we were so lacklustre. I just think that that first half performance, I would go as far as to say that it's the worst performance of the season so far. Well, I have an even bigger claim. Go on. I think that performance as a whole is the worst we've ever played under Nielsen. Wow. What, as in over the piece or just? Over his time as manager, both first time and second time. Sorry, mate. I mean, the actual match over the piece or just that 45 minutes? Oh, I see what you mean. Sorry. Um, I would say the full 90 as a whole. I mean, the last 20 minutes, in fairness, we, we, we did well. It was just for doing it all. But, but, we'll it's, get to that. but it's too but, little too late, isn't it? That yeah, stage. and it's more the context of it. Because I said that on Twitter and a couple of people said, no, the Scottish Cup replay in 2016 at Easter Road was worse. And I would say it's not... Yes, I know some people say it's worse because of the implications of that game, but the context of us being in a league we should be walking, Wraith having not played in a month, having not played, uh, trained in two weeks, and we, we're unbeaten at home, the fact that we got for 70 minutes basically outplayed, that's like inexcusable. Yeah, yeah. No, I think the big one for me is the fact that they literally trained the day before, and that was it. Mm-hmm. It's just... It, it's embarrassing, but anyway, the the only sort of half chance that I can recall in that first half was Stephen Naismith took a short corner and he found Andy Irving sort of swivelling and then sending a ball into the box with his so-called weaker right foot, um, and it misses both Berra and Boyce at the back stick, looking to make amends for that first goal. Neither really gained any contact on it, but why... Surely the goal particularly with being so early, is a wake-up call. Why did we not kick on and respond after that? I will say, just specifically on that, it's actually a fantastic defensive header from whoever it is. I don't know who it is, but Boyce is going to bury that. Was it Boyce is at the back stick, I think? Maybe. Potentially? I don't know. Maybe? I need I'm not totally sure. Um, but it's a fantastic... He gets the slightest of touches and it just takes it away from your boys. And you see your boys in his face, he almost smiles because he knows, he's like, if I had made contact with that, it's one all. But to answer your question, I don't know why it didn't act as a wake-up, especially when Gordon then saves a penalty as well. 
Well, this is what I was going to get into because we we mentioned him earlier on. Stephen Kingsley obviously hauls down Daniel Armstrong to give Wraith Rovers the chance to double their lead from the spot. At this point, was it panic stations for you prior to, obviously, Reagan Hendry then having his spot kick saved by Craig Gordon? Before he took it, it was a bit like... It was more not so much panic stations, it was more like, eh? what What is going on? Like, how is this happening? But then, when Gordon saved it, I genuinely went, right, that's it now. We could have went 2-0 down. That's your wake-up call. Come on, kick on. And we just never did. No. I think I'd actually messaged Reagan because it was his birthday um, in the week yes. <laughs> prior to it. And uh, obviously, I, I, I then breathed a sigh of relief because you had me- messaged me, actually, Obviously saying, I'd, I'd wish Reagan a happy birthday. Hope you have a great day, but not so great on Saturday. And he came back to me saying, haha, cheers bro, hoping for a late B-Day goal. And then you replied to me saying, if this happens, I'm blaming you. You have absolutely no idea how relieved I was <laughs> to see Craig Gordon save that pen. Um, I think for me, it would have been lights out at 2-0. Yeah. But I think, I think a part of my frustration comes from surely the penalty save gives you that bit belief in the game as though we can, you know, look to go out and punish them for spurning what is a great chance to go two up. That was the biggest frustration for me, if I'm honest, in that first half. Um, But then obviously getting into the second half. What a start. Just... It's soft. It's soft, like. It is, but do you not think that it is a pen? Oh, of course it's a pen. Yeah. Thank God, because I think we're going to touch on the fullbacks, because if I'm honest, first half, they had the better of proceedings down the right with Armstrong on Kingsley, and in second Mm. half, it was Kai Kennedy being sort of that main influence um, against Michael Smith. I just, I just don't get. Listen, I, I don't want to slew the the fullbacks too much because we've given them a lot of praise this season and rightly so, but neither particularly covered themselves in glory on Saturday, did they? I think it was the worst game that either of them have ever had for us. Yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd go along that. I think more. I think it was probably more so noticeable for Smith just because of the duration. S- that Smith, I think, was one of the worst players out of a bad bunch. Nothing he did came off ever, whether it was attempted tackles, attempted runs, or more specifically, I really noticed it. I don't think he made three passes that actually went to a Hearts player. No, and it, we'll touch on the third goal as well because I, I I do want to defend Michael Smith for the third. However, I don't. I don't. Well, that will be an interesting debate. But anyway, I just think that for the longevity that Smith has been at Hearts. That probably is his worst performance for us. I can't. I, I honestly, I cannot think of any others. Real. The only other one that I remember is slightly bad. Was the League Cup semi final against Celtic at Murrayfield, purely just because he wasn't as fast as his opposite number. But it wasn't because it was like, oh, he's having a rubbish game. It was just ah, they're targeting him because he's not as fast. But that's that why I'm day? not going to criticize Scott Sinclair. Sorry, Scott Sinclair just yeah. absolutely ran through him, yeah. Um, that's why I'm not really going to criticise them in terms of... I'm going to criticise Smith for what I believe his position that he'd be at the third goal and stuff like that. But I don't mean that in the way of, so Smith's rubbish. I'm kind of going to go, but you get a lot of leeway because you've been our only positive the last like three years. <laughs> Which is what makes it all the more astounding when he puts in that type of performance that we saw on Saturday. Do you want to talk about the third goal then? Because yeah. what what I will say in Michael Smith's defence, I feel as though if he had some movement in front of him that wasn't Gary Mackay-Steven, but someday in that sort of pocket where they could cross from the right-hand side of the box, then in my opinion, their third doesn't happen. I disagree purely because... Well, there's so, there's so much to the third, obviously, right? Because Popescu loses it, with a ridiculous touch in the middle of the park. But we should then be able to clean up. However, so are you saying there, 
that you think Mackay Stevens should drop back a bit to cut in for when the ball gets played over the top so Smith doesn't need to get caught in two minds. Is that what you're saying? No, I, I, because GMS has obviously given it back to Smith. Mm-hmm. I, I just felt as though a Nazi or somebody could be running beyond. There's a gap. If you watch it back, GMS gives it to Smith and there's a little gap that opens up between their left centre-back and the left back to try and exploit and get us in that space. And it just uh, there was no there was no movement in order to try and exploit the space, so Smith has no option but to then sort of cut inside and feed it to Popescu. Who? Oh, that's not when I'm blaming Smith. Oh, right. When are you blaming him then? I'm blaming him and Halkett together in For... the box. All right. Okay. Okay. I, I, oh well, yeah, of course. Sorry, I know what you mean now. Yes, Smith's yeah. not a fault for playing it to Popescu in the middle no, of the no. park there. No. Yeah. Yeah. That's I because. Well, let's get on to Popescu because we, we've we both been calling for, <laughs> out for him to see him play. His first touch for their third, for a supposed ball-playing centre-back, was absolutely abysmal. And before you know it, Big Manny Duku intercepts and then they're off on the counter and then I can see why you blame Smith. Yeah, because Popescu is not the reason we conceded there. He's the no. reason we gave the ball away in the middle of the park. But Correct. Are you... Because by that logic, oh, well, when Andy Irvin loses the ball in the middle of the park and we've got a flat back four, it's actually Andy Irvin's fault that we lost the goal, not the defence's. Yeah, Which I makes agree. no sense. That would be a stupid argument. The point is, it's a shocking touch from Popescu, right? I don't know what he's doing. Uh, I've seen a lot of St Mirren fans say he played really well when the, with him when he was on the right-hand side of a three. And I've actually noticed he's only ever been deployed on the left-hand side of a four. So you think we need a left-footed centre-half? Yeah, Stuart Finlay. Um, <laughs> Thanks for nicking my, my, next, uh, my next target. <laughs> um, but, so yeah, listen. is a nightmare. I don't know what he's doing. But, the ball then gets played up. And it's Kai Kennedy, isn't it? Yeah, on the left-hand side that it's worked out to. Yeah. yeah. Both Smith and Halkett, simultaneously at the very start, look to each other and completely try and absolve each other of all themselves of blame just by going, right, you cover. But they both do it at the same time. But they don't, they don't try and put a foot in. They don't try and step across them. They, Smith doesn't try and jockey them out to the byline. Halkett doesn't cut across them to then push them outwards. Neither of them do their base jobs that they need to be doing. And I know I was saying there about Sinclair outpacing Smith. Kennedy is faster than Michael Smith, right? I don't have an issue with that. Michael Smith's stronger than Kai Kennedy, though. Craig Halkett is definitely stronger than Kai Kennedy. The fact that neither of them even gets slightly close enough to him to cut the ball across is, like, indefensible. And I know it's a handball, right? It shouldn't stand. He literally punches it into the net. But that kind of doesn't matter. When they've got to that stage, the problems are there anyway. I was about to say you're asking for it, aren't you? Because Kai Kennedy, yeah. as as you say there, he's tiny, and even this is this is going to sound like I'm having a go at Robbie here. But even last week, you know, we both highlighted the threat that he poses, or mm-hmm. sort of. I I did in particular. I, I think Wraith have got a couple decent players, and he to me was a, a great pickup, and I just thought that he did Craig Halkett far too easily. Yeah. And like you say, he then centres for, I think it's, is it Reagan Tumulty, the, the right back? Yeah, it's Tumulty. Yeah. yeah, who then bundles at home. And at that stage, 3-0, it's game over, it's good night, the end. And to me, that just essentially summed up the entire afternoon, that, that goal. Because yeah. Yeah. going back to Smith, there's no attacking movement for him to play it to. The midfield are absolutely non-existent, got no idea what they're up to. And defensively... Oh my goodness, we are absolutely hopeless. And for me, we got what we deserved. And ultimately, that makes the defeat more frustrating. That's. I'll speak about it now because we'll go into kind of the positives with all the air quotations in the world for that. <laughs> um, I, that's the issue I have. See, for me, I'm not even that bothered about the loss. Right? I'll it be happens. totally upfront. Yeah, like. Remember the Falkirk game last time we were here, where we also, funnily enough, got beat 3-2 at home? And they, and as much as we were poor that day, they were outstanding. 
Well, no, actually, I was going to say, that game at least you were kind of like, any team would win it. It was end-to-end, loads of goals, like, both attacking sides were on fire, both defences were pretty rubbish. And you kind of go away for that going, well, we at least played actually alright, it's just that we made a couple of mistakes. You can't say that about Saturday. No, because Because, it's entirely our doing, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Wraith didn't out-tactic us. The tactics weren't an issue in that game. They out-fought us, they out-worked us, they tried harder, they wanted it more. And that's inexcusable. I I totally agree. Because, ultimately, I, I feel like I'm going to be repeating myself, but you... If you're at Hearts this season, you should be proving why we deserve to be in the Premiership. A 3-2 defeat at home to Wraith is not proving anything to me other than, as we've touched on, your mentality's weak. It's sort of... You're arrogant for a Christ knows what reason, because we're here because we deserve to be, ultimately. Certain individuals are arrogant, I would say. I wouldn't say the whole team as a collective is arrogant. But there's, we've got a couple big time Charlies that maybe ought to have a wee look in the mirror and think that they're, or rather, they think they're better than they actually are. Um, yeah. It just, I, 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 honestly, I really don't know what to say. I, I'm just so frustrated. Given, I don't even know. I don't honestly. I don't know what I can put it down to. This season, right? This season, we have had three teams play well against us in the week who have started strongly got in our faces, impressed us. They have been Dunfermline away, Dundee away, Wraith at home, and we've lost all three of them. Jesus. I mean, it just... What do do you think these defeats are down to? Because it can't be personnel. Surely we've got better personnel. No, I I think... We do, of course. I, I wouldn't take a single Wraith player in my team ahead of anyone in any of their positions. Maybe starting 11, I'd rather have Kai Kennedy ahead of Elliot Freer. But if Ginelli was starting, I wouldn't have Guy Kai Kennedy. I'd have Gino and Gary McKay-Steven ahead of them. But it's an arrogance from certain individuals and a failing of just ability in some individuals. But that doesn't really matter. So, like, for example, right, Elliot Free is rubbish. Right? Elliot Free is rubbish. How many times have we said that? Every single week, basically. However, and again, I'm repeating myself now, he still tries... I feel that Elliot Freer, you can, the one thing you can say about Elliot Freer is that he tries. He, he's like, it's not his fault he's rubbish. That's not his fault. He's just not a very good football player. There's nothing he can really do about that. But, there's people, people I know I'm just going to get tweets, but it's like, the issue that we have, for me, was two halves, and it was two individuals. In the first half, Andy Howardy, and in the second half, Jamie Walker. The name drops. I, I I expected, well, I expected the Walker shout because obviously everybody knows, or rather our loyal listeners know your thoughts regarding Jamie Walker and I knew you were going to chuck an Andy Halliday in there. What what do they offer? In all, and I don't, mean, I don't mean this from like a technical ability because I know that on his day, Jamie Walker can be good, right? And I know that Andy Halliday has played at the highest level hundreds of times, right? But when Andy Halliday got subbed off, he absolutely launched a water bottle into the stand out of anger, frustration, either at himself, at the result, at the team performance, or the fact he was subbed off. We will never know that. But my point is, with Halliday specifically, where was that for the 60 minutes that you were on the park? This is the this is the big thing for me, because I think if we are playing this four two three one for the foreseeable, and we're giving Andy Irving the license to essentially roam, pick out passes, you know, do his thing in order to get us into the final third, then we need that bit of bite and protection in front of the back four, and essentially what will be his partner. Andy Halliday doesn't offer us that where I thought he could. And Which is mental because he 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 doesn't offer anything else. That's the only thing Andy Howdy should offer is a tough tackling prick 
who just gets in folks' faces and is winning the ball back and riling up the opponent. But all he actually does is just go, I'm playing shit. Hmm. I'll get in an argument with somebody so it looks like I'm doing something. But the, the issue with Saturday was Wraith just put a man on Irving. That's all they did. They just I don't know who it was. I can't remember his name. Um, but their centre midfielder was clearly just told Mark Andy Irving. Now that's a compliment to Irving that he's been identified at such a young age to be such a crucial part. But what that means is Andy Irving, who actually played well, I thought he had a good game, but he was limited because he had a man on him at all times. So what that means is his partner, whoever that be, and it was Andy Halliday, needs to go, right, he's got a man on him. I now need to be the guy who's running the midfield. See if that was Scott McGill. I'd understand if he didn't do that because he's a really young guy who's never been in that situation before. Inexperienced doesn't, and whatever. Absolutely. Yeah. He doesn't have the wherewithal in the game yet to do that. And all you would say is, ah, listen, we had two young guys in the middle of the park. The better one was identified and they kind of abused that. You take it as a learning experience. You'll know what to do next time. Andy Howdy, what? How old is he? 30? He must be late 20s, early 30s. I think he's about 29. Yeah, 29, I'm checking 29, right 30. now. Yeah, he's 29, right? Yeah. He's 30 this year. You don't have that excuse. No. You should know to go, right, I need to grab this game by the balls now. And he's not, he's not done it once for us. Yes, he's sometimes played a nice pass here and there. He's maybe been involved in a nice move. That's not what you're here for. We've got a better player to do that in Andy Irvin. Your job is to be the tough tackling ball winner because Herring isn't at full fitness yet and when he has been, he hasn't looked as good. He's just been he's been the worst signing of the season, in my opinion. Halliday rather than anyone else? Yeah, because Freer's at least scored goals. Roberts hasn't played as much, so hasn't influ- influenced the team as much. Halliday has played almost every game he's been fit for and it's had quite a good performance. And I guess we're expecting more from Andy Halliday. I mean, this was a signing that, I'll be honest, I was a, obviously a big advocate for. Because, like I say, I just thought that he'd give us that bit of bite and a bit of nastiness that we need. But and I that's think... justified. You are justified to think that. Because that's what he's built his career on. Of course. But I think the weekend, and certainly the defeats that we've had so far in the league, suggest that we've got a bit of a team of nice guys. And... Yeah. I, I don't want to sort of focus elsewhere, but the Tottenham Hotspur documentary, if you haven't seen it on Amazon, was a brilliant watch. Yeah. And yeah. Mourinho said it himself. Jose Mourinho said, nice guys never win. And I think we need we need a nasty bastard in the middle of the park. Do you know who we need? He ultimately should have been, but isn't. Sorry, we need, who do we need? We need 2014-15 Prince Barabin. I was thinking back even further than that. Um, who, who did I have in my head the other day when we were discussing this? Oh, We need Phil Stamp. <laughs> no, Phil Stamp could probably get a game. Um, <laughs> I thought even somebody like... I know he was a dreadful footballer, but he, he did have a job and was effective. Somebody like an Adrian Morovic type... Yeah, even somebody like that, a guy that doesn't steal the headlines, but just lets Irving go and do his thing because he's actually someone just... who I thought was always underappreciated and never got the respect he deserved. We need Perry Kitchen. Perry Kitchen, that's an interesting shout. Because he was just he never he never he was in my opinion he was like Michael Smith in terms of you were never going to get ten out of ten. 9 out of 10 performances but you were never going to get below a 5 because he just did his job his job was no nonsense it wasn't spectacular it wasn't raking Hollywood balls to the other side of the pitch and scoring the last minute winners it was just somebody who sat in front of the back four broke up the play and recycled it to a more creative midfielder he was a bit too American for me though eh? what the fuck does that mean? no just like a bit I don't know a bit sort of Happy clappy and I don't know the Yanks are a bit. He wasn't like that on the pitch though. Do you not think? No, he was tough time. He, I saw a stat that it was like, I don't know. on average, he would win three out of four challenges or something like that. Is that right? 
If something ma- because obviously because he didn't play that many games, so that stat looks better <laughs> than it actually is, right? But I and what I said about Brabham was because do you remember that home game against Dumbarton when we won five 0 first time around? Uh huh. There was a moment in that game when we were two 0 up. They were starting to come into it a wee bit, and you were kind of like, "Oh, don't know what's happening. Come on, let's just get another one." A guy stepped across Brabham. And Brabham just stamped on his knee. And the guy went ballistic, got up in his face, and got booked. And he was their equivalent. So he couldn't then impose himself on the game as much because he was worried he would get red, sent off. Ten minutes later, we were 4-0 up. <laughs> it's, it's funny, the little sort of extracts that you take from certain games. How on earth did you remember that? Because I looked it up the other day because I was thinking about how much we need a Brabham type. Like, because I just remembered they had a few Because ge- Gomis and Barabin in the Championship was like the w- one of the best midfield partnerships I've ever seen as a Hearts fan. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Agreed. And I'd... we've never replaced it. We've never replaced it. Not even with your Doom or whoever. No, because we never had the other one. I suppose I, yeah. We only ever had one. And uh, There was me thinking you'd bring back sort of, I don't know, a request for like a, a wacky Madao. I was just about to say wacky Madao as well. He would be class with his massive thighs. He would be class. I, I mean, want you, by the way, to speak about um, Liam Boyce. Okay. Talk to me. Because I thought he had a rubbish game, yet he scored two. I could not agree more. I'm delighted you've said this because I th- this is a bugbear that I've had for a while now. I know Robbie's setting his ways with this four-two-three-one. I just felt that Saturday was another example of worrying about what the opposition are going to do rather than making them worry about what we're going to do. I don't... I, don't I disagree, because I think that was a really strong team. As I say, apart no. from Ginelli, there isn't really anybody else we can... And I think four-two-three-one is our best formation. Of course, but why, why can we... Why does Stephen Naismith have to take up a number 10 rather than partnering Liam Boyce because he can't do that anymore but why 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 do we never go two up like he admits he admits sorry mate he admits Craig Whiten last week and leaves him on the bench for this game well yeah see that's that's the thing I wouldn't have played Naismith not because I think Naismith was as bad or doesn't suit that game I would have went two up top with Whiten and especially because and that leads me to Walker like what a waste of a substitution Walker was when Whiten was on the bench and I think particularly we've seen what Whiten can do against Wraith so far this season as well. Yeah, specifically Wraith. Like, he had his best game I, exactly. ever. Exactly. I don't... I, I cannot fathom that. Why Why have we refused to go two up top in certain games? Well, because, right, I would say two up top doesn't automatically mean you're more attacking. No. But surely... But oh, I what don't... it does do Go on. is allow you to play off someone. However, as we've said in the past, Whiten and Boyce are too similar. They can't play off each other. So I think that is why, and we will get to the in the next segment, Robbie has signed a certain someone who can who can be that player to play off with either Boyce or Whiten. Now, yes, I would have rather, when you're 3-0 down, in my opinion, you just do whatever you can. You just chuck as much attacking I'm on. And I don't understand bringing Jamie Walker on, who I've said my piece on Jamie Walker. <laughs> I literally I literally want his contract released. But even just from a footballing perspective, why would you not bring on Whiten, who, as we've just said, has been classed specifically against this team, specifically in this ground? And the last time he came off the bench, he got two goals and got an assist. Can't, can, I cannot work it out. I don't I don't understand it. But the Boyce thing was, I'm fine with Boyce playing rubbish every game if he's scoring goals. I saw yeah. so many people be like, Boyce is unacceptable. Like, for God's sake, that's a terrible performance. I don't care. See if strikers are playing rubbish all round but are scoring goals. Who gives a shit? How often did Rudy run about the place and look busy? No, you're spot on, mate. If, if they bang, they bang. It's as simple as that. I just think... I don't know... It, uh, off the back of that performance, I'm left. Uh, I wouldn't say. Uh, I'd say more concerned ahead of Tuesday night. We're, uh, we're not going to win. 
No. I, I, don't th- I, I don't think we are either. Because, uh, well, this is the thing. Robbie said prior to the game that these two games against Wraith would be very different. We'd be looking to take max points from. That's one down and one loss. So what are you anticipating on Tuesday night, given, obviously, you've made your feelings known about artificial surfaces as well? So, what team? What team would you like to see us go with? Because I see a lot of, well, I say a lot. I saw a particular sort of suggestion on Twitter say that we go three five two, which I know you've obviously been sort of, mm-hmm. you've been blowing that trumpet as well. I'd could, like a three five two. Could you see that? Do you think you'll go with that? No, I don't right think he will. But I'd, I'd quite like to see it. Um. I'd like a three-five-two of Kingsley, Halkett, and Smith, and then Gino, Gary Mackay, Stephen as the wingers. I don't want it to transition into a five. Oh Christ! I just no. want it to stay as a three-five-two yeah, the whole and game. Me. Um, a midfield kind of three of Irving, McGill, and Naismith, and then Boyce and someone we'll get speaking about later. Interesting. I just don't want to see Halliday play again. I don't want to risk hearing on that surface, and we physically don't have any other centre midfielders. Oh well, that, that that essentially answers the questions that I was going to th- throw to you there. So yeah. Scott Scott McGill just in from the cold. Yeah, he's been great. He's played two games. He's been great. No, I, I both mean, of listen, them were on artificial surfaces as well. Listen, he can't be any worse than some of the drops that we've seen so far from centre mid. Do you think? Obviously, I've I've voiced my concerns regarding centre half what is the problem position for you centre mid as opposed to centre half no centre half is the main problem I have a stat here go on so so obviously we're speaking about getting strikers in when a lot of people are saying we should be getting centre halves in so it's like in 2014-15 after 12 games we had scored 33 goals right uh huh this season, after the same amount of games, we've scored 35 goals. So we're actually currently outscoring where we were last time. It's just defensively, isn't it? However, <laughs> in 12 games in 20... No, sorry. This season, we've conceded 17. Was it not something like 6? It was 6 yeah. in 14-15. That's ridiculous. It's crazy. And fourteen fifteen was, in my opinion anyway, a stronger championship. Oh, of course it was. In that time, we'd been away to Ibrox and at home to Hibs. Jesus. And oh, only conceded like two it. across both those games. So, so a third of our goals conceded actually came in the opening two games. <laughs> so what... Oh, you've touched on your want for a three. I mm. take it Craig Halkett's your outstanding centre-half. Yeah, but that's not saying much, is it? Uh, no, well, well, this is what I wanted to get on, because to me, what I can't seem to understand is, I'll, I couldn't help but notice Livingston's exploits at the weekend. Mm-hmm. And obviously, Craig Halkett was immense for them as part of a back three, with obviously Declan Gallagher and Alan Lithgow either side, whatever. Why have we not think of what you're trying to say here we've obviously brought in Popescu in an attempt to be his partner in the absence of John Suter mm-hmm. I don't want I feel like I'm writing Popescu and better off already yeah and I like Popescu because he tries he was literally bleeding enough. and getting annoyed in this team it, in certain individuals it does it is I'd rather have Popescu in over Berra every single game. So would I, if but I, I'm still... If I had to pick. It, but if you still asked me, am I content with it? I wouldn't be. Oh, no, of course. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. Popescu isn't good enough for the future. But for this season, I'd rather have him... I'd, and I'd also rather we get a replacement. But if we don't get a replacement, I'd rather have Popescu because I don't think he has an attitude problem. I don't think that's the issue with Popescu. It's no. like freer. Pepescu tries really hard. He's just not very good. But I'm not going to get annoyed at him for that. Because it's like, well, you're trying your hardest. I can't even get annoyed at you for not being good enough in terms of, like, it's not your fault. 
see, see when you actually break it down that I don't want folk to get the wrong impression here because I like Robbie I do but in the summer if we're being brutally honest the only successes have been Craig Gordon and Stephen Kingsley I disagree who else Janelli oh sorry Josh Janelli forgot about Josh Janelli it's half and half then is it because I'm I'm thinking Roberts, Freer, uh, Halliday, Popescu. Not somebody oh, else. Rob, Roberts tips it over forty three. Yeah, and we, and obviously Roberts we've still got GMS to detect. So GMS That's could true. try it. Yeah, up. technically, technically, just now because I actually think Gary McCarthy even came into that game on Saturday. Um, there, there but, was there, sorry mate. There was an opportunity where I felt as though he could have pulled it back for Andy Halliday, but then on on, on re, upon reflection, I probably would wouldn't. Have, yeah, I probably <laughs> wouldn't have pulled back to Andy Halliday. Um, but yeah, I get what you mean. It, the summer business has either been massively successful or rubbish. <laughs> yeah, which, funnily enough, we've obviously added to. Um, Wait now, a, a quick thing. Okay. I want to shout out Jim McDonald. Oh, the the most underrated goalkeeper in Scotland, probably of the past decade. Because the weird thing is, despite how terrible we were, we could make an argument for how did we not win that in the end? <laughs> there were some top saves. I mean, he he is just he's been so underrated for ages now. I can't, mm-hmm. and I don't mean to be disrespectful here, but how has he ended up at Wraith? It's mental. Those three saves, the Kingsley free kick, the Smith hit, and the last one with Naismith are all like world-class saves. And it was the same, Was uh, the 14-15 season, was he not at Falkirk as well? Yeah, he was. After his release from us? I don't... Yeah, I think so. Surely, I mean, he must be doing better than that. Surely. Top keeper. It's just, it's, it is just crazy, and I think that is where there, see, there needs to be a slight bit of perspective where it's like, see if any other keeper was in that, from this league within that goal. We would have won the game. Yeah. But it doesn't even really matter because Jamie McDonald was in goals. If only we'd have seen last season what having such a great goalkeeper does for you. It really I is know. incredible, isn't it? I know. Never mind. But anyway, as as I was going to touch on, one player that could be in line to make his debut in Kirkcaldy Oh um, my God. For the next Wraith Rovers match is new striker. Let me try and get this. Right. I know how to say it, so uh, I'll let you do it. Okay. Armand Nandouille. Nope. Armand Nandouille. How about that? Bit of Francais. Nope. You're still missing a very important letter. Go on then. Give us it. There's an L. So it's Armand Nandouille. 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 Yeah. Oh, aye. Fair enough. Okay. Never mind. The the big French bloke, um, Robbie Nielsen said pretty much uh, for Wraith the first time round that there was a number of strikers that Hearts were looking at, um, citing the potential profile that he was after. Obviously, it was evident that we were after a target man, given the pursuit of <coughs> Elia Anuoluapo Oluafaranmi Oluatomi Oluwalana. Ayome Kulehin Adebayo. Head of my hands. Head of my fucking hands. Before we get into discussing the new arrival, how are you feeling given Walsall's behaviour regarding the potential transfer for that young man and now obviously the fact that it's fallen through? I'm a bit... I'll be honest. I'm a bit gutted we didn't get him because he looks like a project. No. Like, he... Honestly, you just saying that, it just... It's enraged me, but carry on. A 23 year old looked to be quite good doing well um, so it would have been good to get him but what a diddy wee club also are eh the mighty saddlers bloody hell who got, how angry did they immediately get it's just it's just naivety from those down there isn't it and the sass that Robbie had putting them in their place you don't even understand the rules of football Ah, oh, round you all, so boo-hoo. I'm not, I'll be honest though, because of my just immediate reaction to this signing, I'm no arsed at all. 
I was going to say because you've been very vocal about the signing of um, Armand. I'm on the I'm on the train. I'm I, I'm so oh, excited. No. I've not been this excited for a signing ever in my life. I don't think I can't think of one. I wasn't even this excited about Gordon. That that is crazy to me because I've I've mentioned it to you. I've seen this boy's name pop up a couple of times on the Sky Sports video printer, but other than that, no, absolutely nothing. So well, here's all you need to know. I couldn't tell you. He's so tall. Enlighten me. He's huge. He's got lovely hair. He's fast as fuck. He's got an amazing voice, and he's the top goal scorer for Blackpool two seasons in a row. He, well, honestly, honestly, he might be the best player in the world. <laughs> I just hope everyone knows that and understands it and we're going to never lose a game again as long as he's here we're never going to lose <laughs> he's the greatest player I've ever seen have you watched the highlight video? oh don't don't sell me down the river <laughs> of highlight videos that's just PTSD given Malik well, Martin and all I'll, these other well, jobbers that we've seen come in don't don't you dare what I'll do is then read you oh. the response from his former club's fans so is this my David Oliver bear? no <laughs> I've, I've, I've went above you <laughs> I've went in the evening news oh Jesus so David Oliver has produced an article that has listed in fairness it's, it includes the reply to you and the reply to me alright um, from people um, because basically a bunch of Blackpool fans voiced their opinions on this individual so first one is from Ellis Liam 95 Blackpool fan here lads sick plenty of crosses into the box and he'll score goals for you the rest of his footballing ability leaves a lot to be desired but he was a big fan favourite he's a nuisance for the opposition to play against very good penalties as well didn't miss one for us at all if you play to his strengths he'll be a real good signing another person said what a signing for you you lot give him service and he'll be on the score sheet more often than he isn't uh, all the best to him quality player and an absolute steal on a free um, left us at the end of the season could have easily signed for a championship team he will get you goals no doubt uh, come back to this tweet from Chris BFC 1996 he will easily grab double figures by the end of this season um, be keeping an eye out for Hearts results now and uh, as we were speaking about just before we went on air Sunderland were reportedly interested in him and Sunderland reporter Phil Smith uh, who works for the sister title even used Sunderland Echo went some signing for Hearts more than a few League One clubs would have been all over this if not for the salary cap Um he will be absolutely fantastic for them, no doubt. Well, that is very encouraging because I too had obviously seen links to a plethora of English teams which had left me intrigued. Um, the salary cap, that just goes to show what a game changer this could actually be for us then, doesn't it? Because yeah. Bristol Rovers, Sheffield Wednesday, Middlesbrough, and obviously you touched on them there, Sunderland, all seem seemingly had varying interest um, in the new number nine. So... You saying about getting crosses in for him? Oh, I beg he's not starved the service. Well, we've now got Janelle and Gary McIsaac to work balls into him. I suppose rather than the, but, the job. But that we've this had. is my point, right? See if he comes in and doesn't score a goal all season. I'm fine with that. If don't anybody clip that out of fucking context. If. He allows Boyce or Whiten to get the ball into their feet more. If he acts as... So, basically, I was going to bring this stat up with Adebayo because I thought we were going to be getting him. However, when Giroud... Where was he at again? Hold on. What was Giroud's first French team again? Montpellier. I was going to say, Montpellier is where he won the league, but yeah. So, at Montpellier, Giroud had a 1-5 in games scoring record. However, Remy Cabea, who played in behind him, had a 1-2 scoring record. Funnily enough, that is the current record that our new signing has. 18 goals in 36 games. Unbelievable. He's got to rival Ronaldo. However, to the point, Giroud then was bought by Arsenal because they chose him rather than Cabea. And Cabea went to my wonderful Newcastle and was shit. But, Giroud went on to do very well because Wenger said that he wanted a striker because at that time he had Robin Van Persie and he went I've got the goals I don't need a striker to get goals I need a striker to create space for Robin 
So if this boy comes in, drags defenders into him, holds the ball up, plays it off to Boyce or Whiten or Naismith or Guy McKay-Steven or Ginelli and creates massive amounts of space, then I'll, I'm viewing that as a success because we've been saying it, Boyce and Whiten are starved of a partner. That partner doesn't necessarily need to replace their goal scoring. He just needs to add a partnership. Yeah, and listen, like you say, we both, I think, mentioned a target man ages ago, so it's nice to see that the club are listening to us Anytime they want to get in touch, we can supply the details. That's cool, but I think that's going to happen <laughs> with my ransom Walker. <laughs> but even even you saying that he creates space, obviously there's not there's more to it than just goal scoring. But the fact that he's a prolific or fairly prolific goal scorer added into the bargain as well just gives another dimension to his game, which one I and two really is incredible. Yeah, particularly when you consider that League One is a decent enough standard, I think, for up here. You need to only look at Liam Boyce's record at Burton Albion, and it seems like the mm-hmm. two of them could form a great partnership. But and Dicamona loves him. <laughs> Shout out, to Uncle Cleve. But yep. does this not shy away from a potential four-two-three-one, or could Boyce could Boyce be the one that drops in the hole? Oh, and they and they link up like that, or I don't know. You t- you tell me how how does he fit in? for a side that don't tend to play two up top? Well, I think maybe this is now going to allow us to play two up top. I think Robbie has wanted to change it to a two, but hasn't had the personnel to do so. Not in ter- As we've said, not in terms of goal scoring, because both White and Boyce have been pretty prolific. Boyce is the current league leader in terms of goals, and White has had a career resurgence under us, basically, this year. Goals hasn't been the issue. It's cooperating together to create those goals. However, this guy could just completely reinvent it. So it means that we might end up seeing more 4-4-2s, 3-5-2s, 4-1-2-1-2s and stuff like that. Like, we might end up seeing that more. But as you say, it could allow us uh, Boyce to drop in. I don't know if Boyce will like that as much. But it might also just be there for competition. So he might not play every week if Boyce is fully fit and firing. But... He might be using an impact sub. I don't know. But I'd like us to play, as I said, a 3-5-2 tomorrow night as we're recording this, tonight as you're listening to it, and just see what he can do. And again, I know he might not be fully fit. He said in his interview he's not played literally in a calendar month. His last game was a calendar month ago. But he said he's ready to go. So well, that's interesting. I don't see the problem. Just, I was, just I, chuck him in. I was going to say that a potential debate was going to arise for me given that lack of game time. Can I be honest? I'm delighted with this ending the speculation of a striker. I'm just begging that our attention turns to centre half. A few. No, it's not. It's turned to a right back. Because of Brandon's injury. Mm Mhm. Why? Because the discussion is whether to get a right back into cover or bring Cammy Logan back. But then the worry is. Robbie doesn't just want me to play cover for Smith just now because it would mean he'd only get one or two games this season. Whereas if he was out on loan, he'd get between 15 and 16. A right back? Really? Mate, I will be honest. This is currently falling on deaf ears because I'm just buzzing about this signing. (laughs) I couldn't give a fuck about getting a set and a half right now. We've signed Nandwili. We're going to win the league without conceding another goal. He can do a job at (laughs) set and a half. He's huge. Shut up. Honestly, I couldn't give a shit. Like, I'm just so buzzing. Oh, honestly. Have you seen his hair? I don't care. I don't care. Why? Because he I'm... looks classed. Mate, goals aren't the issue. Or scoring goals aren't the issue. It's in the back. We had a car crash what if the this back. unlocks us? What if this unlocks it and everybody gets more confidence and then we start becoming a free-flowing attacking team that doesn't concede we become fucking Pep Prime Barcelona with this young man? Yeah, that that's exactly what's going to happen, in it? Yeah, I can totally see it now. Honestly, you saying about me falling on deaf ears, this has fallen on deaf ears. I could not care less that we've signed a centre-forward. Great. Fantastic. A a target man that I've been crying out for for months. Fantastic. Sign a centre-half to partner Craig Halkett. Please. I will say this. I think, in all seriousness, I think it is a bit naive to say it doesn't matter because 
Oh, here we, we were, go. We were free scoring the last time, and we still signed Zeefuk. Well, this, he was amazing. It's funny, because this gives Zeefuk vibes to me. That January arrival that, I don't want to say gets us over the line, but obviously the gap has <laughs> closed by a point over the weekend. We obviously play the pars. I, this week is crucial for our season. But that's what I mean. So what if what if this guy comes in, our defensive record stays the same, but his goals mean that we don't lose? Oh, we concede four, but he gets us five. I get what you're saying, mate, but I just think at the back, it's still... It's of course, that's what I mean. It is, it is far too easy, but I don't think the solution is just chucking out all of the transfer business and just focusing on the centre-half. Because that's not a way to upward... You can't upward mobilise in that way. If we just threw out all transfer plans and went, right, we just need to focus on a centre half, we could have lost out on him and what if he turns out to be class and then we go back and he signs for another club and we go, for fuck's sake, we signed some random centre half who barely plays and is shite anyway. Okay, i tell you what I'll be content with. If we're looking at pre-contracts that are Premiership ready along with obviously rectifying our performances on the park to ensure that we get there, I'll take that. I still think we're going to win the week. I don't see that being an issue at all. I think we should have enough to win the league. I don't even mean just from us. I don't think our performance and results are going to be the reason. I was we going to say, you're going to say because teams take points off one another. I saw you say that about Dundee. Yeah, Dundee yeah. fucking drew against our growth. They're going to do that more often than we lose games. That's already 3 out of 12. It is, but we're still... but we've played so well in the other games that we've still got a six point cushion no of course but we cannot underestimate these two games this week oh no of course these are cr- we need to win both of them absolutely but I and I fully as I said on Twitter I fully agree that our number one priority should be a centre half but at the same time I'm not going to look a gift horse in the mouth and go, in the mouth and go well there's no point in signing this guy because he's not this position it's like, well, no, we should have the wherewithal and the scouting ability to go, well, no, we'll get him in and this individual in. No, that's fair enough. That's fair enough. Like, maybe the, maybe the pre-contract route is the one that will go down. Maybe. It's a good shout. Like, for example, we you mentioned it last week and I mentioned it earlier, like, Stuart Finley, we could get him on a pre-contract and not announce it like we did with Halkett. Yeah, we got Halkett in January, yeah, and didn't announce it kind of out of hospitality to Livingston until there was nothing left to play for in that season. I was about to say, and, and then it's a little sort of bonus because it's... I don't want to say it reaffirms your excitement because your excitement is there throughout the season, but it is a bit of a sort of a psychological boost. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. That's fair enough. Uh, Centre-half, I mean, who are we thinking? Stuart Finlay is the ideal choice for me. Stuart Finlay would be great. I just don't know if he will come. But he could. I don't mean that in the sense of, like, I don't think we have any chance. We definitely have a chance. I just don't know if he would. I think Declan Gallagher's off the cards. Declan Gallagher's more unlikely than Stuart Finlay. Yeah. We have a higher chance of signing Stuart Finlay. Which is quite frustrating because if we did bring in Declan Gallagher... Halkett would obviously receive that boost. Haven't played together at Livy yeah. and there's there's no need to kind of embed them in to become a partnership. Definitely. But that's a discussion maybe for, for another time. When we get battered off Wraith at Starks Park and Dunfermline do us at Tiny, then we can turn to a, a more defensive <laughs> conversation. <laughs> what is your prediction for Tuesday night? <sighs> Earlier you said that we're not going to win. Mm-hmm. <sighs> I really don't know I really don't know because I can't be all that confident given the weekend performance but at a club of this size as Robbie sort of keeps reiterating you have to react to these sort of disappointments I look at even in the Premiership with Rangers they draw one all with Motherwell at Fir Park and then they go and smash Ross County 5-0 at Ibrox you know that's what champions do when even when, obviously, Rangers weren't great, still picked up a point, and then they rectify it the following week, we have to do similar. I did like what Robbie said when he was like, we couldn't have a better situation because we have a, in two days we can immediately rectify it. Yeah, that, that 
that's a consolation that you take from obviously the fixtures playing out the way that they've played out for sure. What do you think? I think it's going to be one all. He'll get her a goal. Boys. Interesting. And for them? That Dooku. Big Manny Dooku. Aye. I, c- I could sort of see a draw as well. Our record at Starks isn't too bad though. Well, by the way, I will, I will say this, Mr. Laurie Dunsire, because I know you're listening. Can you stop telling us stats about the teams that have haven't beat us competitively <laughs> in like decades? Because you've done it twice this season against Aloe in the League Cup and Wraith that weekend, and we've lost both times. Out of interest, when was the last time that we lost to Wraith? 93 or something. So that's the first ever defeat that we'll have seen to Wraith Rovers. Comparatively, yeah, it was something like twenty. It was at least twenty years. It was at least twenty years. Fantastic, eh? Absolutely, love and life. But massive thank you to everyone who has listened. We've actually managed to drag this out as long as we normally did. We were worried that we didn't have much to speak about. (laughs) Did you did you remember the dismal performance that Hearts have turned out at the weekend? So cheers, lads. Exactly. So, massive thank you for listening. Before we finish up, again, just to remind everybody, the Big Hearts Talk the Tune initiative, in the description of everything is all the links you need to go to. However, if you can't see the links or if the links aren't working, just go to Big Hearts' Facebook, Twitter, or their website. Sign up by Wednesday at 7pm. Eh, Tuesday at 7pm, sorry, is when they start. So, when this podcast goes live, two hours after that, 7pm on Tuesday to sign up. The first slot is Wednesday at 7. It is myself and the man I just mentioned, Laurie Dunsire. Uh, Fridays is 7 and it is the representatives from We Have No Cares and This Is My Story. And then we're going to have more as the weeks go on. So yes, big hearts, sign up Tuesday, 7pm. Get involved. I've just punched my desk. I'm so passionate about it. That really hurt. But we are at Perth to Paisley. We can get us on all the social media at Perth to Paisley, including YouTube and all other good podcast platforms. Please leave a review on your platform of choice as it massively helps with the algorithms and getting us listened to by more people because you need to know that Jamie Walker's rubbish and we need a new centre half because everybody needs to know that. Adam, where can they get you on social media? They can get me at Adam T. Kendo on all the socials and yourself, mate. I am at McIver the Mark. We will be back next week to discuss the Wraith game, the Dunfermline game, how our new best sign in the world has done if he is featured and how rubbish our defence has been. We will see you all next time. Keep the faith, Monday Jai Tease!